And that's not saying it's going to be a long time this morning, but uh, we just hope you're really comfortable. Uh, then, we, then we can begin. Did you know all this here this morning and other churches and Christianity throughout the world began with a vision? Way back a few thousand years ago, to a man named Abraham, it began with a vision. Moses encountered God beginning with a vision. And we as Beacon can encounter God today through visions and all sorts of things, but particularly for us, there's more for us to have, more for others to have, an expanding work, something that God wants to go on and on throughout the earth. It began with a vision. Later on in that journey with God, and I'm just going to read, I'm just going to read the story that you know so well. And it's when God told Abraham to take his son, his only son, go to a mountain and sacrifice him there. Well, I don't want to get caught up in that story, but earlier on, coming to that point, began with a vision. God says, Abraham, I want you to look out. I've got, I've got you. I've got you. I want your attention. And I want you to walk this way with me. That's what got our attention this morning. He is saying, I want you to walk this way with me. This is several years later, but I want you to read it just to remind it. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. And he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. Just keep that in your memory. He saw the place afar off, okay? Then Abraham said to the young men, you stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come back again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac, and he took his hand, the fire, and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together and when they came to the place of which God had told him Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son but the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said Abraham Abraham and he said here I am he said don't lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. 
And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Oh, that refreshed your mind with the story? Say, so what's Abraham got to do with this morning? Just four things. Moses was positioned to encounter God, beginning with a vision, but not to be afraid of those next steps. You get that? Moses was positioned to encounter God, beginning with a vision, but not to be afraid of those next steps. His first response was, how can I know for certain? He didn't just say, how can I know? He said, how can I know for certain? And that question wasn't answered. But God took him on a journey. And the journey was that God was going to bless all the peoples of the earth, even down to us today. And we might be saying, when we've heard the vision, you say, well, how can I know this is God? We might not know for certain, but we believe it's where God's leading us. And we go on that journey. The dynamic of this was, though, it was a moment of eternal covenant. Because it wasn't going to stay there. It was going to go on and on and on, down through into eternity. What God was doing with the vision, with one man, was going to go on into eternity. And lastly, as the two of them went on together, we read this in the story, nephew Lot had gone his own way. Ishmael and his mum couldn't stay because it was too difficult. But Isaac and Abraham went together. And when we're on a journey, which encompasses a vision that God believes us to go on, we go together. We don't lose anybody. Because this is God's work, it's his eternal covenant. So this morning, it's just so wonderful to have heard what God is saying. And to begin that road, that journey, because we know where it's going. Bob, it's over to you. Thank you very much, David. That was brilliant. Really sets the the, uh, the kind of uh, um, undergirding principles for this morning. Um, I will, as I talk, I'm going to get some participation. So I hope you're ready to jump up to shout out some things. Okay, um, because uh, what <laughs> what uh, uh, we've talked about is me looking back. Because if we're going to look forward and trust God for the steps that he's taking us on. We also need to look back to say, do you know what? God has done great things in us. Therefore, we can look forward. Um, So that's uh, where I'm going this morning. Um, My scripture is from Hebrews 10 and Hebrews 11. um, And this is a passage that you will know that is about faith. But the context of this passage is endurance needed by the Christians and the great reward awaiting them. And I think it's important to put this morning into the context because we have been through a time that required great endurance. I don't want to talk bleakly this morning, 
But we all remember the last few years with COVID, no singing in church, masks, online church, and, of course, a huge amount of sickness. Yeah? That's a part of our background, isn't it? In what we've had as a church. And then, more broadly, in our culture, in our country, we have seen all sorts of strange effects. Um, A number of people stepping back from voluntary action. A lot of voluntary groups finding it really difficult. A huge number of mental health concerns just out of this world. And it is no doubt, and I say this of somebody who works in a school, there's absolutely no doubt that our young people, our kids, our teenagers have been hit most with that. If you like, for many of us, this has just been a couple of years in our life. But for them, this is part of their formative years. It's been developed when their brains have been developing and their attitudes and thoughts. And therefore, for them, this has been a huge... I could tell you some horrendous stories that I have talked about um, and felt over the last few years. But you will know how much, how important it is for those young people that we give them a hope and a future in Jesus, isn't it? Yeah? How important that is to hand on the baton. Anyway, Hebrews 10, I'm going to start from verse 39, says this, but we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed. Amen? But those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. For it is by the people of old, for, for by it, sorry, the people of old received their condemn, commendation. Commendation, not condemnation. Let me get it right. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. Okay, now, uh, I'm a relatively simple soul and grew up on the NIV, and uh, I like what the NIV says. And the NIV 1985 says this. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I'm sure many of us here have learned that verse, haven't we? Yeah? Sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now, I'm going to take my glasses off for a minute because I know that before I put my glasses on, there are a number of people in front of me and now there are some colours in front of me and some faces I kind of recognise. And I think I can work out that's Bill. Yes, that definitely is Bill there. But I tell you, at the back, I'm losing one or two. Okay. But I know when I put my glasses on, I can see clearly. And that's just a little metaphor. I mean, I'm now going to say a little bit with my eyes shut. Now, it could be that you're all thinking, Bob's got his eyes shut. Off they go, out the door, and I'm here completely empty with vibe. Somebody turns the lights off. Thank you, Steve. And, uh, sorry? I knew I was going to get a response. But it could be, couldn't it? But I know that if I open my eyes, I will see the glorious Beacon Church. And somehow, faith is a little bit like that, isn't it? Faith is a little bit like the fact that it's being certain of what we do not quite see. And actually, that's what we are as Christians, isn't it? 
We're not necessarily a, a football club or, I don't know, a club that gets together and has good ideas together isn't a great community. Yes, we love that. But that's not us, is it? We're a faith community, aren't we? Yeah? We're people who believe by faith. We have been saved by faith. We live by faith. We walk in faith, even in what we do not see. Phil Moore says about this passage, real faith is obvious because it leads to action. Obvious because it leads to action. And so part of what Steve is going to share in a minute is our response to that. It's an action. It's an action for me. It's an action for us. And it's an action for us as a church. The other thing I want to say about faith, and it is so important, because faith we can work up and you think, you know, if I can just believe something and I can put myself into faith, just get into faith and something. Well, it's not about that, is it? It's about that we have faith in Jesus. It's whom we have faith in that's important. Our cornerstone, the rock of ages, the ageless one. He is the one whom we trust in. And we have faith for our salvation. We have faith that one day we will be with him. And we have faith that he is going to bless us for this next stage. Okay, so I'm going to now look back with the eyes of faith. And I'm going to do that through family, growth, and invitation. So looking at family, just think back for the last few years. Okay, maybe leave some of COVID out of it. But think back and all the amazing family time that we've had. The, the light parties, the Christmas parties, family zone, the weekend away. Brilliant, wasn't it? Prayer meetings, growth groups done in a different way. Serving in different ways. Many people here have taken on new areas of serving. New areas of responsibility. We've attended New Day. We've seen God do so much for us as a family, haven't we? And secondly, growth. Now, when I look at growth, I, I think about growth. I think it in two, two ways. I think of it in growth in terms of us as Christians, that we have grown that we have become closer to him, that we know him better, that we trust him more, and also that we've grown in numbers. So, here's a question for you. you can start being active. I'm going to start it gently. I'm not going to get you running around yet. Okay, start it gently. Okay, can you just put your hands up? If, over the last couple of years, you have either or grown in your love for the Lord, learned something about Jesus that has profoundly affected your life. If that's you, just put your hand up. Amen. Almost everybody. One or two, obviously. Uh, no, I th that's brilliant, isn't it? That God has helped us to grow. Okay. What about growth in numbers? Have we grown? Okay. So, can I ask you to stand up? Or if you can't stand, wave your hand. If you have joined the church family since June 2019, i.e. since we came to Vibe. So you've joined the church family, you've become part of this since we came to Vibe. Can you stand up or wave your hand? Okay, here we go. Okay, stay standing, stay, stay, stay waving. 
Um, in September 2013, the church moved. God is there, wasn't there at the time, so I'll be standing for this one. From the Beacon Centre to Briary. If that's you, can you stand, please? Isn't that amazing what God has done? Isn't that amazing? Have a seat. That God has drawn new people into us as a community. And um, it has been absolutely brilliant what God has done. What about this? How many kids did we have in the kids' work um, when we moved to um, Briary? How many kids were in the kids' work? Three? Somebody thinks four, somebody thinks six. And we know next door, we can hear next door how many we have. And also those that have come all the way through and been really blessed. It has been amazing what God has done. Okay, here's the next one for putting your, uh, well, maybe just put your hand up inside for this one. How many people here, we're talking about invitation now, how many people have shared something of the love of God with a neighbor, a friend, a family member, prayed for an unbeliever, seen healing over the last few years. You don't have to put your hand up, but you can. There we go. Isn't it amazing what God has done? Okay. What about this? Over the last five years, have you committed yourself to Jesus for the first time or recommitted yourself to Jesus in a big way. How many people here? There's one, two, three, four. Amazing, isn't it? What God has done in us. And again, just inside, how many of you have seen your children come to faith in that time or just make a commitment of their, you know, at their stage of life? Not saying, you know, that's amazing, isn't it? What God has done amongst us. I can see five or six hands going up there at the back, so you can't see them. But that is brilliant. It's so good what God has done. And I think we, we take courage from that in terms of faith for the future, don't we? Yeah? As we have a non-typical Sunday talking about what God is doing about us, I think we need to take courage from what God has done Because if he's done it once, he can do it again, can't he? Yeah? If we've seen young people, children come to faith, make commitments, do whatever they have done over the last few years, we can can have faith to see that in the next phase of Beacon's life, can't we? Because I think, and you may disagree with me, but I think that what we're going to talk about today is perhaps the greatest step of faith that we've had since I've been at the church, we're making. We're making a big step of faith together today, talking about it, and that we're going to make that step of faith over the next few weeks. Because I think it is so important what we're talking about. Because we want to see our church here grow, develop, because we want to see it impact Herne Bay and the surrounding area. Because we know the need. We've talked about the need, haven't we? And how much it is. 
You see, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I hope that helps. Thank you. Over to Stevie. He's coming, he's not going to run away, but I just want to say it's lovely to see others who have joined us since we started, and um, it's, uh, it's rather a special day today because it's our Vision Sunday as Beacon, so you've come in sort of a little way into that, and Bob's been talking about where we've come from in the past, and Steve's now going to uh, explain to us how we go forward with our vision we believe is from God. Thanks, Steve. Well done. <laughs> thank you, David. And thank you, Bob, as well. It's... Like he says, it's important to look back and see where God has brought us to. We can take things for granted so often, can't we? It's good to refresh our minds with the facts, the figures, the data, and the, the, just the reminder of where we've been. Now it's good, after celebrating where we've come from or where he's brought us to, to consider where God is leading us to next. And we feel a real, uh, what's the word, real emphasis, a real weight as elders on uh, God is, and you will not be surprised, and you've seen it yourself, God is doing something particular amongst our younger generations. And we feel, we sense a weight for God is calling us to intentionally partner with him in that, rather than just put our feet up and go, thank you very much. That's the danger, isn't it? Just be passive about it and be complacent and almost be a bit like spoiled rich kids. Thanks, Dad. Whereas actually what he wants us to do is intentionally roll our sleeves up and get involved with what he's doing. He wants to do it through us, doesn't he? And for years, we've been praying for the younger generations, haven't we? As Bob was saying, how many kids and teens moved with us to Briary in 2013? Less than a handful. And now you can hear them right now, giving it some. It's brilliant, isn't it? I love it. I love the noise. It's really, really good. Um, Fifteen years ago, you as a church, you were praying for younger generations. You were sensing that the makeup of the church at the time was like, we don't have younger generations. Let's pray for them. And part of that story, part of that answer to prayer was me and Jenny and our Amy coming to Beacon and being part of introducing younger generations and younger families and so on. That's part, we were part of that story. And, um, and that's been gradually continuing, gradually snowballing. We sensed the momentum growing and gradually the gaps in the demographics, the gra- gaps in the age groups have gradually filled in. But we still sense there's, there's still something missing. There's still more to come there. We're not there yet in that, in that respect. And so over the past few years, we've been um, doing what we can with you know, reaching out to younger families and, and praying for more and seeing salvation and addition through such. And, and uh, that's why we now have more noise next door. Um, we've had great stories amongst the teenagers as well and so on. And um, we've been talking as elders for a long time about how do we invest in, in the young people, how do we invest in the kids' work? We've been looking at our finances as a church for, for years now. Uh, when John was still an elder with, with David and the three of us were talking about how do we invest in this and what would, that, what would that look like in terms of finances, in terms of releasing people to be more available, to be more intentional and, and to lead and to disciple and so on. And, and um, more recently, just now, just Mel and I, we totted up the names of how many kids we have that aren't here all at the same time every week, but come on Sundays and it's ne- we're approaching nearly 20 under 11s now it's, you just don't really when you add it up you're like oh my gosh we have no idea we don't realise and then the teenagers with a number of teenagers and stories of salvations we've had baptisms in the swimming pool and baptisms in the sea of teenagers and, and so on it's brilliant God is doing something here and that's something for us to relish and to cherish and we know that and I don't think we are complacent in that we do cherish that 
But when Darren Blaney came here, if you remember, he used to lead the Baptist Church until recently. He's now leading Hope Church, Hope Baptist Church in Bridgend, South Wales. He came here just before Easter, do you remember, one Sunday, and he came here to preach. And he, came, he and Tracy came back to ours for lunch, and he went, do you realise what's going on at Beacon? I was like, well, 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 I know stuff. <laughs> what, what, which thing? And he goes, do you realise what's happening in the younger generations in Beacon Church? I was like, what do you, what do you mean? God's doing something nice. It's, we like it. <laughs> and he goes, you don't realise how unique this is. He says that God is doing something in Beacon Church. He says, I'm aware of what's happening in the other churches, and they're doing what they can as well. But for some reason, God is doing something very specific in Beacon Church amongst the kids and the teenagers there, not just in terms of numbers, but in terms of depth and discipleship. God is doing something here in Beacon Church that you don't realize is actually uniquely special. And you, by a country mile, God is doing something quite unique amongst you in that. And that really kind of hit us in the gut as an eldership. It's like, we cannot take this for granted and we need to be even more intentional in this, in this realm. And so, at a weekend away, do you remember Carl Maben, right at the end, he left us with a question. He said, what is God saying to you as a church in Herne Bay? Great question. And we went away, spent a whole morning in my cabin praying about it, didn't we? And uh, much of we had some prophetic words, one based on the Tom Hanks movie. I'm happy to give you the details another time. We don't have time right now. He's laughing. I just like my films. God used a film to stir me prophetically. But we had other prophecies between us, prophetic words. We sensed God saying in consensus, God was talking to us about protection. God was talking to us about stepping in for discipleship. God was talking to us about intentional discipleship, about keeping the flock and the mission protected. He said, it's time to roll your sleeves up and to get involved more specifically, more intentionally, with more weight, with what I'm doing amongst you. And uh, it led to a plan for the future about us raising leaders, more leaders. And we're already doing that, but to be, again, to be more intentional, more specific about that, we have a plan for future years. Part of that includes what we want to share today. God is saying it's time to actively step into the next chapter of Beacon Church. And this is about sowing for a future harvest. For example, so Ivan and Sarah, years and years ago, we had no teenagers, do you remember? And yet... We agreed between us it was the right thing to do to send you amongst our Whitstable church, to hang out with the youth group there on Wednesday evenings or whatever it was, to go with them to New Day, to equip you and raise you up as youth leaders for teenagers we didn't have yet. Now, some people look at that and go, what are you doing? You haven't got any teenagers. We're going to have youth leaders anyway. But you haven't got any teens? No. But it was an intent that we felt stirred by God. It's the right thing to do to prepare for the people we don't have yet. Otherwise... When they arrive, if they arrive, you then got to work out what to do with them. If, if we are expecting God to answer our prayers, why are we praying otherwise? Are we not praying with expectancy? If we are expecting God to answer these prayers that we believe are godly prayers, then let's get prepared now for what he's going to do. And that's what we did. We, we, we sowed that seed by investing in youth leaders for teens we didn't have yet. And what do we end up with? Teenagers. It's about investing ahead with eyes of faith being certain of what we do not see. And so here, this is what we're, what we're preparing for. Mick Norman is a brilliant metaphor. He's saying, you don't advertise for a hotel full of rooms for people to book, and people book, and they turn up on the day of the booking, and you go, oh, sorry, we haven't built it yet. There is, there is a point to prepare for what you're expectant of, and so on. And so, uh, Isaiah 54, if you want to turn with me. Isaiah chapter 54, there's a couple of passages I want to read. 
as we go. Just to help explain this, this sowing the seed for more. Um, Isaiah 54. This is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah to his people who are in a time of barrenness, destitution. The vast majority of God's people are in captivity a thousand miles away from their homeland in, in Babylonian exile. And there are a few left in the homeland under other terrible conditions. And God's people are in a place of barrenness. And this is what God says to them through... This makes me cry, these words. This is what God says to these people in a place of barrenness, a time of barrenness. Through the prophet Isaiah, God says to them, Sing, O barren one who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. And there we go. He says, Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you will spread abroad to the right and to the left, and your offspring will possess the nations and will people the desolate cities. They're saying, you're in this place of barrenness where you look around at what you do have and go, okay. He's saying, live in expectation of what's to come, what I'm going to do amongst you. I am the life giver. Expect me to do that through you. In preparation for that, enlarge your tents. Yeah, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, and so on. And so for us, well, I'm about to tell you, don't worry, we're not going to hold you in suspense for any longer. But this is about us in Beacon Church enlarging our tent, not because of what we currently see, and we're grateful, God is doing something. But it's not just because of this. This is about being in expectation of what we haven't received yet. He's got more for us. Amen. Absolutely convinced of it. This is the eyes of faith. We're not making this up or stirring ourselves up to want it enough. We are convinced this is what, what God is leading us to and therefore he's asking us to enlarge our tent in preparation for it. So, this is what we believe God wants us to do. Uh, Mel Richardson, who's next door, looking after the kids right now. Um, we, we, Mel and, and someone else are very aware of this conversation before we go any further. It's not, it won't be a surprise to Mel. <laughs> We, we, we uh, propose to release Mel for a day a week, paid member of Beacon Church staff, to look after our noughts to 11s. When we say a day a week, who knows what the future might hold, we're expecting more, I'll talk about that in a minute. This is a starting point, this isn't the end point. But to release her for a day a week, paid employment, to be responsible for our noughts to 11s. So to be responsible for trailblazers but also to be responsible for um, the creche-aged children, the preschool-aged children as well. Um, so that enables a conversation and transition from as they grow up into school age and come into trailblazers as well. There's a conversation. We, you know, she, she and we already know the kids well, know the families well. There'll be opportunity to connect with the parents in, in a fresh way as well and enables those conversations. This is about their discipleship. Discipleship doesn't start when you're 18. <laughs> Discipleship starts from year dot. Discipleship in the home and discipleship amongst the church body. And so Mel will be responsible for overseeing with the team. She's got a great team, about eight now, isn't she? The largest kids' work team we've ever had as well. She's doing great work there as well, to work with the team to enable the discipleship culture amongst our kids from 0 to 11. That's the plan. One day a week paid employment. So that gives cohesive oversight to help transition children into trailblazers as well as through trailblazers. 
I'll give some more details what that will look like in a moment. But also, we also propose to do the same to release Vanessa Stubitsky. Again, it's not a surprise. She's like, what? Um, to release her for a day a week to look after our teens, as she does. She helps lead the team who look after what we call Cornerstone, our 11s to 18s. But also to be beyond, to look after our 20s as well, as the teenagers grow into their 20s. We started having some more people in their 20s starting to kind of check us out just recently, haven't we, as well. Um, to, be, to be responsible for our teens and our 20s. So again, there's a it's continuum of discipleship. It's like, right, you're 18 now. You go and hang out with the adults. There, there is someone to help help them transition into young adulthood. You're still in a raw place in your early 20s trying to work out what, what is, this is the world and I've got to do adulting now. What the heck? Yeah, most of us still feel like that of nearly 52, so don't worry about it. Um, but th th this enables a, a, a transition of discipleship between Mel and Vanessa, who've got a great relationship, a great rapport together as well, for our noughts to 29s. Again, this isn't just for who we have now. This is for who we haven't got yet. I've got a real heart for the people we haven't met yet and to help them get closer and closer to Jesus until they meet him for the first time, but also help them get closer and closer to Jesus once they've met him as well. That's what this is about, discipleship, isn't it? Both of them will have an outward-looking heart. Both, we've been drafting up what jobs descriptions will look like, what are these roles going to look like. And much of those responsibilities and so on, they include an outward-looking heart for um, socials and maybe some kind of youth hub or something we were talking about, ideas of what that can look like um, uh, to, to ensure this isn't just about the kids we have now at any given time. This is about the kids in Herne Bay as well, just at large. How can we meet them? How can we meet these families? How can we bless them, introduce them to our amazing Jesus? Let's, let's, Jesus, Jesus doesn't say, stand still and they'll come to you. Jesus says, Go doesn't he? And how can we get that into the DNA, into the bones of our kids and our teenagers and our 20s? It's about going, not just expecting people to come to us as well. So that, that's what this is, this is all about. Again, like I say, this is a starting point. This is a next step. And we trust uh, it may be more days, more hours in future, or maybe more staff in future. But this is a starting point. This is the first time Beacon Church in 27 years of history will have ever had more than one employee. This is a significant moment for Beacon Church, but we also believe it's not, again, it's not the end goal. So, what next? You might be asking, how do we get to play a part in this? Um, it costs money, doesn't it? It does, it costs money. And um, what we intend to do, we're not just going to go, okay, God, you told us you'll provide the money. He's asking us all to be involved in this. And what that looks like is... Um, Raising a seed fund for year one. And we raise a seed fund. If we can raise a seed fund, if God enables our target, I'll tell you in a minute, for year one, we know we've got enough to release them for year one. Trusting, therefore, that that is God going, I've got you for year two, year three, year four. We didn't with me when I went full time. Are those of you who were at Briary in 2014, I think it was, when I went full time, I was part time. Again, as always, our ins are our outs as a church. We don't like making big savings. We, we're careful with how we steward the money, but we don't like making big savings. We don't want Jesus to come one day. They go, you've got a quarter of a million in the bank. What are you doing? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like he's given us money for the mission. So let's use it for the mission. Our ins are our outs. So each time we have a step up in this, this realm, we don't always have it in the budget, but we're trusting God. If he's calling, calling us to it, he'll provide, but he's asking us to partner with the provision. 
And when I was released full-time, we had a target. And just like, if, if we can raise this that Sunday for the rest of Steve's wages and whatever it might be, whatever else we needed at the time, we did a total. Um, then we'll know God will provide for years two, three, four, five. And here I am, like, what, eight years later. Help, you're still helping me pay my bills or whatever it is. But it, I'm still able to be available during the week to pastor and to, to be one of the elders and to lead the team and so on and get involved in different things because God has helped us provide for the subsequent years. If we can raise the seed fund for year one, we trust the rest will be taken care of. Does that make sense? So, uh, we have a target of uh, £10,600, which is for both wages plus some employment, um, employers' provi- uh, uh, contributions and, and so on and so forth. £10,600 is our target. And um, if you, the seed fund, if you think of 1 Kings 18, is it 18? 1 Kings 18. Elijah and the prophets of Baal. He wants to demonstrate God's glory to these prophets of Baal and prove them for who they are and prove his God for who he is. He makes the sacrifice first and then God brings the fire. And I believe there's just a real helpful spiritual dynamic to this that as, as we make a sacrifice first for year one, God will bring the fire. Um, do you want to turn to Ecclesiastes 11? One more scripture to look at. Ecclesiastes 11, written by the most... The wisest man on the planet, King Solomon, he says this, Ecclesiastes 11. Just, I'm I'm aware of the climate, the current climate we're in, and things feel a bit more constrained. I'm aware of that, but again, if God is calling us to this, he will provide and he will help us provide between us. He'll catch us. I know he will. So, Solomon says here in... in, um, in uh, Ecclesiastes 11, with this godly perspective, he says, cast your bread upon the waters. Do it expectantly. Cast your bread upon the waters. For you will find it after many days. It's not gone. (laughs) You're giving it away, but it's not gone. It pays off. Verse 2, give a portion to seven or even to eight. But be generous. Not just one bit. Be generous in it. For you know not what disaster may happen on earth. There's an urgency. We don't know what's going to happen. Why are we holding on to this? What's it for? Let's use it for him to use. Uh, Verse 3, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. There's a realism to this. This is life. Things happen. But, verse 4, he who observes the wind will not sow. And he who regards the clouds will not reap. Let's not look at the, the, the clouds around us without the eyes of faith. We can look at, yeah, yeah but there's this, and there's, yeah, but there's that. I know, I understand it. I'm living in the same world as you are, and in the same environment, in the same UK as you are. I get that. But let's look at things with the eyes of faith, as Bob was reminding us. And then verse 5, you see, God at work. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Our living God is involved in this. He's doing something wonderful amongst us. We believe he's calling us into more of that, not just the same, but more. And he's asking us to step in and partner with him. So all we're asking you to do is to consider and pray. I've got some pledge forms here. I'll explain them. Um, I don't know. 
Adam and Lee, do you mind just handing these out? Is that all right? Yeah, I'll take half a pile each. There's loads here. Just hand them out to people. Is that all right? One, one each for now. Don't worry if you're a couple. You've just got a spare copy, spare bit of paper, haven't you? Just hand them out anyway. And you can see. Um, well, I'm trying to make it simple for you. Literally, giving it out now to help you pray over it. That's all we're asking. Just to literally pray over this. We, in three weeks' time, we'll do some little reminders on the next couple of Sundays uh, uh, to remind us of, of, of what God is, we sense God is calling us into, to remind you how to pray. But on Sunday the 30th, we'll take up an offering, a specific offering, on Sunday the 30th, that's three weeks' time, to say, if you want to participate in this personally, if you feel God prompting you to get involved in this, in ever which way you can and any which way you, you, you want to before God, then please bring your pledge form and whether it's online or physically, bring your gift. And if you don't, that's fine. We still love you. <laughs> okay, there's, there's no guilt trips, zero guilt trips here. Please don't mishear me. We're just asking you if you'd like to partner with this and we're just asking you to pray about it. So I made it, you don't have to do it in a lump. If you don't have the money now and you want to pledge it, in monthly instalments alongside your regular giving, there's, there's another tick box for, for you there as well. We're trying to make it easy for you, but just so we know what God is providing over the next 12 months for year one and we know we've got the seed fund. Does that make sense? I'm going to finish now. But like I say, thank you, mate. Brilliant. Cheers, dude. Thanks, Lee. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Thank you, Squire. We'll have more of these pledge forms available and I can make a digital one available via... Uh, midweek update as well. Just go away and pray. See what God says to you. Do as you feel is appropriate. That's absolutely fine. This will be significant. This is the thing I want to say. This will be significant not just for the noughts to 29s. This will be significant for us as a church. And I believe this will be significant for us in Herne Bay. For people in Herne Bay in general. For the community in general. This is not just about children and young people. This is about the families. This is about the parents. This is about the young and the old knitting together as God's family. As we see does work here, we want more in the family, don't we? We don't want people missing out on walking with Jesus in his body. It's as simple as that. This isn't just about kids. And we love them and we want more of them. We want to bless them. But it's not just about that. It's about more than that. This is about God's family growing. This is about partnering with God, with where he's overtly, obviously working. And he's working in many other ways here as well. This isn't to denigrate that. We have plans for the future. Don't worry. This is the current next step. It's about partnering with him, where he's clearly overtly working for the benefit of the wider church, for the benefit of the community at large. This is, this is seed for the gospel to transform many, many more lives. And I just want to leave it there. I'll hand over to David, but um, I'll leave it there. <laughs> I won't go on. Thanks, Dave.